When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Fellow fiends, welcome to another terrifying and delectable episode of Nightmare on Film Street. The horror podcast with zero credibility, but all of the blood, ghouls, and gore your puny heart can handle. <laughs> Let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm John. I'm Kim. And this week, we need a virgin. Which is to say that we are talking (laughs) about Monster Squad and Hocus Pocus. I hope that made sense. We had a really hard time pairing movies for this week. We wanted to do something a little timely to coincide with the tail end of our Overlook Film Festival coverage. We recently watched The Monster Squad, which John has been working for at least a year to try to get the movie on the podcast. And I have been holding out because having never seen the film previously, I didn't know what to pair it with. And so I was trying to suggest movies and John was like, no, it's not right. It's not right. It's not right. And I wanted to do something that was horror-y. I was suggesting the It 1990 miniseries. I think I also suggested Stand By Me at one point. I mean, these are, these are both very good suggestions. I think I even was like, let's do Ghostbusters! They, also good. That was in the running for a long time. I just I knew that we needed to have a good match with Monster Squad. And I didn't want to fuck it up, because like this is the <laughs> one time we're going to get to talk about it. Um, I love this goddamn movie, and it was such a delight to show it to you for the first time. I don't know what I was expecting, but as soon as we were about ten minutes in, I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I've seen this movie. Even though I, I, <laughs> It's like back on your chair. Yeah, I mean, even though I hadn't seen this movie, this is just one of those movies that you just... Being a kid when I was, and all of the other movies, all the movies we grew up with are the same movie. They mm-hmm. just have different variants. You're like, this one's got Dracula, and you're like, dope. I love it. It's so naturally just like what I would flock to, and I can't believe I didn't see it as a kid. Yeah. Because it's so up my alley. Yeah, it's a real big surprise. But yeah, so we had a hard time tonally. I didn't want to do anything that was too horror. I think it had that same like gang of kids teaming up against evil, but it was too dark, I yeah. think, to be paired with Monster Squad. I think Hocus Pocus has that same sense of whimsy and horror comedy about it that I think they are both pretty evenly matched and the only real difference is that one came out in the 90s and one came out in the 80s so and not very far apart no about five six years so i'm excited to talk about both films i'm really surprised we haven't talked about hocus pocus yet on the podcast i think we did our first halloween episode we did a top five we probably Um, spent the majority of that episode talking about hocus pocus i'm sure every halloween we squeak some hocus pocus talk in there because it's one of my favorite i would say one of my favorite movies not just my favorite halloween movies but yeah uh, I don't, I don't, I'm worried I'm not gonna be able to do the film justice. I'm worried I'm not gonna have enough to say about it because I've seen it so many times. Yeah. But we'll have to see. I'll just pretend like I don't like it. And you and can I'll just... And I'll just fight you for yeah, half exactly. an hour. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And at the end, we'll shake hands and part ways. <laughs> We're gonna get a nasty review, like, I don't think they should be married. <laughs> <laughs> 
But before we get into this week's films, we do have some keeping us creepies to keep you creepy with. Yeah, of course. So uh, just finishing up on uh, some screeners that we got from the Overlook Film Festival, movies that we weren't able to catch while we were there. Uh, we've got a few more to recommend to you. Full reviews on the site, but... NOFSpodcast.com. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, we have two documentaries and two really quiet indie-type horror movies that you should definitely... Uh, keep an eye out for when they are playing anywhere near you. First up was this uh, French documentary called Cannaba, about a real-life cannibal who actually murdered a girl in the 80s and ate parts of her body. And, you know, because of several legal loopholes, never really got convicted of it or did any time. Uh, it's super uncomfortable to watch for more than just him. And uh, the entire movie is shot in close-ups, which just brings me closer to that person than I ever wanted to be. And I really think it earned that title as a scariest film at Overlook. We also caught Don't Leave Home, which is like an Irish folklore-type mystery. Blew My Mind, a uh, quiet mermaid horror, if you guys are into those. <laughs> Uh, and Everybody's into mermaid horror. I don't know if you know how hot mermaid horror is right now, but it is like, oh, fire. And for good reason. I mean, I haven't watched the Siren TV show, but I imagine it's all right. Uh, and of course, lastly, Wolfman's Got Nards, the Monster Squad documentary that is currently making the circuit and also won Audience Award at the Overlook Film Festival. And it's kind of what inspired this entire episode because we couldn't see that documentary without me having seen Monster Squad. And we couldn't have me see Monster Squad and us not talk about it on the podcast because John would have murdered me. Yeah. Murdered me dead. Murder Squad. <laughs> Murder Squad. It's a new podcast. It's just me and the pug covering our tracks. <laughs> we do actually have a lot of shouting out to do this week. Last time, last episode, we were super overwhelmed and in a rush to get it out to you guys on time. And you guys can blame it on me. This is definitely my job. This is I'm supposed to keep track of this, and I sure didn't. But we had such a huge influx of new patrons throughout the month of April. I don't think we've had more people join our team in one month ever. And it's so exciting. We are so happy to have you guys. I don't do this part, so I'm going to send it off to John. But so crazy. Like, we disappeared for a few weeks and we came back. And we have so many new people on the team. And like, hello, guys. We're so happy to have you. You are our monster squad. I'm going to call it right now. This is the Film Street Fiend Club. Welcome to the club, guys. Let me introduce you to our newest members. First up, we got Ashley, the cool one with karate chop hands. Chelsea, she's the tech girl. She's going to hack our way into the system. <laughs> of monsters? Yeah. No, we're going we're gonna to break Twitter. We're going to find all those jerks that keep calling horror movies thrillers, and we're going to strangle them with their <laughs> stupid little necks. Uh, with Tiffany, the little sister who always wants to get in the group. And, you know, we're all like, man, we don't want you, Tiffany. But ultimately, she's going to save the day. She's best buds with Frankenstein. Anthony, the hunky one, I guess. Everybody needs a jock. He wears an ascot. And, you know. What? <laughs> You're describing Ken. Barbie's Ken. Welcome to the group, Ken. And lastly, <laughs> Kelsey, of course, the team leader. She's going to give us a big impassioned speech, really pull us all together when we're not friends anymore and ready to turn our backs on the club. But she's going to remind us that, you know, friendship is what really brought us all together and it's what's going to help save the day. We just need to put our differences aside and, uh, and, and fight for our right to party. <laughs> 
thank you to all of our new patrons and thank you to those of you who've been pledging us all this time and supporting the show we would not be able to do this without you guys if you want to support the show head to patreon.com slash nightmare on film street yeah all, all it takes is like a, a dollar an episode to hear me just give a very embarrassing introduction to your name off the cuff i hope some of you have used these as your voicemail oh god <laughs> hi you've reached chelsea k the nerd of the group <laughs> nerd she's our hacker sorry i didn't know what, i couldn't remember what you said you said you said chelsea i think chelsea was I don't remember now. How come I... Guys, I'm a terrible team leader. You're not the team leader. <laughs> Kelsey, we need your help. <laughs> All right, that's enough of that. Let's talk about Monster Squad. You know who to call when you have ghosts. But who do you call when you have monsters? We're the Monster Squad. What's a squad? It's like Miami Vice, I think. They're young and inexperienced. They're a bit disorganized. Monsters are not real. We don't know that, sir. 2,000-year-old dead guys do not get up and walk away by themselves. But when strange things start happening in town... There's a monster in my closet. Ooh! Look at that big, scary monster! What's happening? Do I see a werewolf? Silver bullet? They're the only ones ready to do battle. Something's out there that's killing people. And if it's monsters, nobody's gonna do a thing about it but us. The book is right. Don't you see it's all true? By midnight. You guys. They won't seem so young anymore. Monster Squad. So the Monster Squad from 1987, currently sitting at a 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb, a 56% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 61% Metacritic rating, and a 3.5 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Now I know you know this because you watched the documentary with me. I learned things. Yeah, but I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna pretend like you don't. Kim, did you know that this movie was like panned when it came out? I learned that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I find that so goddamn surprising. I just always assumed people enjoyed this movie like the Goonies. Yeah, um, and I honestly you're my only vantage point with this movie. You were like, hey, we gotta watch Monster Squad, Squeeze Move, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But I didn't realize that it had come out on VHS, and it didn't come out on DVD until, like, 2006 or 2009 or something? Yeah, I, uh, I, I guess I had always watched it on VHS. It was on TV occasionally. It's not a movie that I've always owned. For whatever reason, I watched it a lot as a kid. Um, but I think it was one of those, like, constantly renting it from the movie store movies. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the way that cult movies have to grow from though this movie wouldn't have cult status if it was easily acquired that's that's the whole point that's a really good point in the same reason that that's why i love death becomes her because nobody talks about it and it's like wonderful and it's mine and it's like i it's a part of me as much as i'm a part of it yeah and only just recently came out on blu-ray with that original ending oh god it's bullshit so I get that I get that cool sense of community surrounding Monster Squad because you guys brought it to life kind of thing like you guys got it to DVD and Blu-ray and all those fan screenings that they did. 
which is really cool. Yeah, it's so nuts that this movie just came and went, and nobody knew about it. Listening to the the direct uh, Fred Decker, the director, and Shane Black, the the writer, who you guys know from like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, like Lethal Weapon, like all the cool action movies plus Predator, um, and even the cast, it's like they just went almost thirty years, assuming nobody saw it, and if they did, they didn't like it. That's fucked up. That's crazy to me. Especially given how proud everybody is of this movie. Um, well, unfortunately, kids don't write review columns in, <laughs> in, entertainment, in entertainment sections. Well, they do now. But they're old and crotchety. It's the new... You gotta wait 30 years for your movie to... Like, if your target audience to have their say. That's very I true. wonder what the cult films of today are gonna be. I don't know that we'll have cult films of today anymore. That's true. I think People it's are just... Niche. I think Mean Girls is probably, like, the last, like, universally, like, we love it. Like, everybody likes it, or it's cult? What are you trying to say about Mean Girls here? Both. Okay. Popular cult. But it is an injustice that this movie is not bigger than it is. Obviously, it's gaining traction. Uh, People are showing it to their kids. It's having a new life again. Uh, I have never met a single person that doesn't like this movie. And for good fucking reason, right? You've got all of the universal monsters and a bunch of foul-mouthed kids it's brilliant. Like, that's all you need. And very foul-mouthed for the time, by the way. Like, you could not show this movie on TV nowadays. Mm, I think the, all the movies of that time were around the same level of foul-mouthedness. Yeah. And it normally it, was isolated to, like, one kid, though. There was, like, the one kid that lived, like, just off the you-can-bike-here section of the neighborhood. Yeah. Where Mom was like, you didn't go to what's-his-name's house, did you? And you're like, yeah, I did, and I shot things off a log. <laughs> that kid. He's also the one that normally has, like, the nudie magazine, also. Yeah, the nudie magazine thing is also something that died with the 80s. Used to be able to just walk into the woods. It's where we all found our pornography. That's really weird and really gross. It is when you think about it. But that's just where it was. Weird. It's like a porn urinal. (laughs) Ew. Yeah. It is gross. It's very gross. Yeah, if you didn't take it from, like, underneath somebody's dad's bed or closet, you just found it in the woods. And then you just, you, everybody knew where it was, and you went and looked at it, and everybody shared the same one, I guess? I don't know. Ew. And then the internet came and obliterated all that, and everything's been a lot more sanitary since. This is adding grosser than I meant it to Can be. we stop now? Yeah, I think we can. <laughs> we can move on. Um, Monster Squad, if you have not seen it in a while, is about a group of kids who have a monster club. But when real monsters start invading the town, including fucking Dracula... Frankenstein, everybody but the Invisible Man. All right, I have a real ph- philosophical question for you. Yes? I don't know if you can handle this, okay. like, live on the air. Okay. Without any prior research or... I'm ready. Does the title mm. refer to the Monster Squad, that is, the children, Yep. or Dracula's Monster Squad of Monsters? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think the answer is both. It's very deep. Yes. <laughs> Of course. It exists. (laughs) You're laughing at something that you haven't put out into the world yet. (laughs) It's a Schrodinger's cat thing. (laughs) Situation. It is both the Monster Squad and the Squad of Monsters. (laughs) Until you observe it. And then they collide on each other. Maybe that's what, like, Van Helsing's whole black hole principle, like, 
bases oh, wow. itself on. Like, we can only have one monster squad out at a time, and oh, those kids shit. have totally claimed it. Right? What if that's <laughs> it? Yeah. And like, now these two forces need to battle because there, there's only enough room in this town for one. <laughs> like, one of you, you groups has got to go in the black hole. It's not even a good versus evil. It's just like, we can't have two monster squads. I love that Van Helsing doesn't give a shit who has to go or leave. It's like, look, either the evil guys are going to eat the world or, like, the foul-mouthed kids. One of you's got to go. You're both pretty terrible. <laughs> Do you think the Invisible Man's in this movie? Do you think he's just, like, hiding out in the back? I'm gonna say that's a no. No? There was okay. there was no trench coats in this movie. Yeah, and I guess the mummy's got enough bandages for, for the group. I like the mummy in this. The mummy's great in this. Yeah. He doesn't get a lot of screen time. Yeah. There's that weird, um, he's in the little kid's closet scene. Yeah. And you're like, what are his motivations in this scene? Why is he here? And then, I'm like, I'm sure somebody proposed that in when they were writing it. And they're like, yeah, but it's a good cut. Yeah. <laughs> Which I agree. Well, it gets, it gets. That kind of film logic wouldn't fly today, though. If somebody was just like, yeah, we're just going to, he's going to be in the kid's closet. And it's going to be really funny because dad's not going to see, but the kid's going to see. And then he's just going to climb out the window. Like, but why is he in there? That kid is like the little girl in the group, too. Nobody listens to him, but he's kind of got the answers. He knows what's going on. Mommy's in my closet. Closet. Creature ate my Twinkie. Like, if they just listen but to the goddamn kid. Why? <laughs> also, that creature ends up being really bad. So what stopped him from eating all those children when the Twinkie floated by? Have you ever had a Twinkie? Okay, I, I understand you've had a few of them, and you know, like, they're not incredible. But can you imagine eating, like... A waterlogged Twinkie? Ew. He popped out of the water and grabbed it. It was, was... completely dry and fluffy. Mm. Perfect Twinkie. Can you imagine? You're I'm eating, pretty like, sure I remember... krill. Your entire life. What is krill? Isn't it like a little... Isn't that what fish eat? They, they eat like thousands of krill at a time? Okay, let me put it this way. You eat fish food your entire life. And if not fish food, fish. You can't tell me that the creature is hopping out, getting dominoes, and going back into the swamp. Is the creature from the Black Lagoon humanoid, or is he fish... Ooh, I'm going to say... I want to argue that he doesn't have the taste buds for a Twinkie, but we might be getting too deep in there. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I was going to say... Go. I'm pretty sure he's only got krill buds. <laughs> so if it's Umami. anything other than a krill, all he tastes is dirt. But yeah, when he gets that sweet krill, and it, <laughs> it activates all five... Five taste buds? How many taste buds we got? I don't even know. I don't think taste There's... buds are a real thing. You don't think so? Isn't that true, though? Because like you feel sour stuff on the tip of your tongue. Do you remember that you... like map we had to color as kids where it was like, this is where the sugar taste is? That's not a true thing. Well... You can put a sour patch in the one corner and the other corner, and your mouth will be numb in 20 minutes. <laughs> Doesn't matter which corner. I'm sorry, we're not talking about your movie at I all. listened to an episode of Radio Lab once, and it was very convincing. <laughs> was it about the locations of your taste buds? It was! It was. Did they debunk it? Uh, no, I think they were specifically just talking about umami and... That's my favorite word. One of them. Umami? Nebula is my real favorite word. Nebula? Nebula. Okay. I'm a pretty big fan of dessert. That's a good word. I don't like that word. Every time I hear it, I light up. I... <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking about definitions. <laughs> I secretly hate any of the words that have double S's and double R's or double P's. Double C's are what get me when it comes to spelling. Like, fuck it. I'm out. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> I'm still not, don't know how to naturally spell the word disappeared. And I spell it so poorly that it doesn't even autocorrect suggest it. <laughs> did <laughs> it you, always did you changes mean... <laughs> it to dissipated. <laughs> and I'm like, eh, it works. <laughs> it kind of works. The ghost dissipated. Like, ooh, I think that was an artistic choice. Poetic. Yeah, 
Okay, so uh, back on the movie just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Monster Squad, for my entire life, has made me jealous that I do not live near a drive-in. And I think any movie set near a drive-in will make me feel that I wish I lived near one, uh, which is probably impossible now because... They don't really exist much anymore. Yeah, they don't really exist. And secondly, you'd have to live... Who's putting a drive-in, like, right in the middle of the suburbs? First of all, I love that man, whoever did that. Brilliant person. Um, but yeah, it just, it would never happen. It's also one of my favorite shots of all fucking time. When Dad comes home, he's brought burgers. Also, it's just, like, a really nice moment. Dad comes home, brings burgers home for his kid, who he knows is up on the roof where he shouldn't be. He's watching horror movies that he shouldn't. But he's just like, whatever. That's what this kid's into. It's all good. Let's have a burger. Let's hang out. Fill me in. Let me know what I missed on Friday the 13th Part 12 or whatever. It's a very cute scene. It's great. See, I grew up with that scene in Now and Then. Yeah. And it's like a sad scene because she's trying to get away from her parents that are divorcing. And so she's it, watching these, divorced like, in this movie too. sad romance movies. And she's seen it so many times that she can like say all the words. And it's really sad. It is a good movie. Yeah. That's, yeah. See, that's my Stand By Me Monster Squad movie. That's what I grew up watching all the time. All right. That's it. It didn't really have horror in it. I guess I had a witch. Did it? Yeah. Um. What's her name? Frig. Sure. Janine, Janine Garofalo. Garofalo. Yeah. I love her. She's great. She's so weird. Wonderfully weird. <laughs> uh, one thing that this movie, I will say, made me pine for. I should let you talk more. You are seeing it for the first time. A fucking tree fort. I grew up thinking that tree forts were just in my future. <laughs> it was just a matter of time. <laughs> yeah. And I, like... The neighborhoods we grew up with were all, like, boxed-in backyards. Nobody had a fucking real tree. And nobody's dad was a carpenter. Nobody made us a tree fort. I'm going to stop We didn't you right even there. have the tree for a fort. I had a real tree, and I climbed it all the time. My dad was a carpenter, but I did not have that tree fort. <laughs> I wanted to put curtains up. Like, I was legit ready for a tree fort. Like, I was going <laughs> to... That's what you think of when you think tree fort? You don't think, like, secrets and... Curtain... Like... Maybe a nice front rug that says welcome, a potted plant. Okay. <laughs> a bed for the cat. Maybe a beanbag chair. There's got like a hole in it, and every time you sit, the beans come out, and you're like, oh, yeah, the mouth. This is so great because you, as a little girl, I think about housekeeping. Like, boys are just like. Whoa! Whoa. Okay, maybe not house. I was setting the tone of the afternoon with my I didn't decor. Mean to, I didn't mean to say <laughs> housekeeping. I apologize. What I meant is that you were thinking of the decor of your treehouse. That's you just were... as important as the floorboards of the treehouse. I, I would say that as a as a boy, when it comes to a treehouse, we are just looking for places to... Throw water balloons at girls from. Throw water balloons at girls, tell big dumb jokes, and hide our forest pornography somewhere. <laughs> Away from the rain and Thank other... God, a filing cabinet. <laughs> oh, jeez. Welcome to the Neighborhood Kids Porn Emporium. How are you today? <laughs> 49 cents entry. 49 cents. It's an arbitrary number. <laughs> Sorry, we round up. We don't make change here. <laughs> yeah. Why 49 cents is the exact amount of chains for a, a handful of fuzzy peaches and two pepperettes. <laughs> Joe Louie, we combine the, the income. The income. Uh, that reminds me of that episode of Simpsons where Bart made a casino because Burns made a casino yeah. in his tree fort. Does he, is it Rob, Robert Goulet that he gets to come perform? <laughs> and he's performing in the treehouse. Oh, it's great. This is a dope treehouse, though. It in, is. In Monster it's Squad. It's a crazy treehouse. And I don't think it's on any of the kids' properties, is it? It's like a random... It's 
somewhere close to... Isn't it over the water? Patrick's house? Is that who it is? Because they're spying on his sister. And Dracula blows it up with dynamite. <laughs> okay, so Dracula's use of dynamite in this movie <laughs> is a little heavy-handed. I don't think he uses his fangs once. He, well, he does once. We hold out to the end of the movie. But the yeah. hiss? That's it. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's a solid hiss. Oh, it's a good hiss. The it, green lighting, on point. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, I would just expect Dracula to, now that I'm describing it, I'm thinking more about, like, Darth Vader. Like, he would just, like, hold his hand up and, like, crush the tree fort with his mind. Like, that's that's not really a Dracula move. I think Dracula could do that. I wouldn't put it past him. Or light fires. Dracula takes me as kind of a pyro, not really a dynamite user. Okay. <laughs> They're close to the same family, but Dynamite you're right. seems very, like, Bugs Bunny. You're right. He's got, like, that full Acme explosive plunger, right? Where you're just like, I better push this lever down and kill Frankenstein up upstairs and uh yeah he throws dynamite underneath the cop car he throws dynamite in the treehouse and you know what i'm thinking too dracula goes on that plane to try to like get frankenstein yeah that's very bugs bunny because frankenstein <laughs> falls out of the plane and he's like god zooks <laughs> the floor falls out and he doesn't right like that's the equivalent of like your feet start running but you're yeah, not going and anywhere you look down and realize that there's no ground beneath you and then you fall <laughs> except he turns into a bat yeah, except he's super cool about it. He crosses his hands, as he crosses his arms, laughs a bit, and just drops out. Every time Dracula turns into a bat, though, is really good. It's amazing. My favorite is after he has basically blown up everybody <laughs> at Sean's house. Oh, yeah, And yeah. his dad, the, the sheriff or cop, sees, and Mum comes out and sees, but then there's just the shadow of Dracula on the front of the house turning into the bat and flying away. Yeah. Very good. Oh, Loved it's brilliant. It. The transformations in this movie are are all pretty good. I mean, the werewolf kind of falls victim to like that inflatable look, but it looks awesome. And the fact that he does it inside a phone booth is kind of cool. Yeah, it's really fun. I I love the werewolf character. It's nice that they fit in that kind of like good and evil about him because mm-hmm. we were saying this that there's like a uh, a tier of evilness inside the squad of monsters now when i say squad of monsters i mean the monsters and not the squad of children <laughs> i thought you were gonna say the monsters squad. <laughs> <laughs> see i was gonna say that and i was like this will be very confusing um but the, in terms of evilness mm-hmm. they go frankenstein oh yeah and then the wolfman definitely and then probably the mummy. I'm thinking the mummy too. And then mainly because he's got that goofy acme look on his face <laughs> right before he dies, where he's like, "Oh, not this again." <laughs> Mondays, uh, right? Fish bulb. Fish bulb. Uh, creature. Yep. And then Dracula. <laughs> and then Dracula, of course. Yeah. Somewhere in between the Invisible Man, probably the most evil because he does not try and help anybody or stop anybody. He's your chaotic neutral. <laughs> oh. But, yeah, I think the werewolf's really cool because he does some really shady things as the werewolf. He's quite evil. But he's kind of intermittently kind of screwing up the plans by calling the police at every uh, every turn he can. Every opportunity. In fact, that's how we're introduced to him. He's in the police station saying, like, I'm going to turn into a werewolf. You have to lock me up. I think he says you have to kill me, to be perfectly honest. But, like, that's so brilliant for just the werewolf story. Like, I think that's why I've always liked uh, Wolfman and whatnot because there's such regret and remorse to being a werewolf because you become a creature that you cannot control. You wake up and you've killed all your friends and family and it's not like you're like, oh sweet, I'm full. Um, <laughs> you're you're actually upset about it because you become something uh, that you have to live with the rest of your life. Yeah, every 
werewolf story is like an Edgar Allan Poe story. Oh, that's so brilliant. <laughs> uh, when you were saying the first time he calls, I just wanted to point out that that gas station sequence, I fucking love it. It's got that set look to it where it, uh, I love... In the middle of nowhere, there's a big gigantic moon overhanging. Yeah, and it's really blue, and the gas station is like cute and perfect 50s diner style. You look like you have to pump your own gas, In like literally with a lever. But it's like play size, like it's too small to hold actual gas it's too small for people to fit inside the gas station too small to contain that werewolf it looks like it's right on a stage and i just i love it it's my favorite gas station of all time my favorite (laughs) movie gas station (laughs) there's a blog post for you (laughs) top movie gas stations this one that weird twin Peaks scene that was 15 minutes long oh my god it's so good oh full pause on the episode here for a second let's talk about the fireman (laughs) (laughs) was he the woodsman i don't even remember god damn that show you can't mention it. Now I'm in a haze. <laughs> that was really creepy. It oh. felt like a Tumblr flipbook. <laughs> the sound design of that show is just unnerving. Sometimes I'll listen to it on Spotify, and I don't know why. That's really weird. Yeah, it's it's just like the sounds of wind and electricity, and it is so eerie. Actually, I don't know if I told you guys this on the podcast, but when we were staying at Overlook, we were on the same floor as the haunted house that they were doing in one of the rooms. And the first night we were in the hotel, I so kindly offered to go get ice, which was all the way across the hall. And by I mean across the hall, it was like a long walk. Like think um, Danny pedaling his bike in The Shining. Like you had to turn corners down these long corridors. So I get the ice. I'm walking back. It's completely quiet. And then I just start hearing this like eerie fucking music, like really creepy. And so like I'm like hustling to the room. <laughs> and I kept telling John about it. Like anytime I was alone in the hallway, I would hear this weird music. And then finally, the last night we were there, we did that haunted house experience. And it was three fucking doors down from our room <laughs> and i was like i knew i heard music i was so cr- creeped out every time we had to walk down that hallway i kind of wish we didn't do that theater experience now so it just always hung with you over your head like what was that i don't, I don't, I don't understand i literally broke into a jog at the last turn i was just like <laughs> i am not doing this i will plus we were staying at the uh, at the event hotel, they did a, a game, an immersive game, and last year when they did it in uh, Timberline Lodge, they were going to people's rooms and like writing stuff on their mirrors, and I was like, I don't want somebody to come up to me and scare me, and I just didn't know how immersive the immersive game was this year, yeah. and I just didn't want to have any part of it. I was just like, I want to make my bourbon cocktail in my room and go down to a party. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So aside from the monsters and the monster squad, uh, both proper and informal, a character that's just so brilliant in this movie is the scary German guy. I love him. He's the best. Well, first of all, every neighborhood's got a scary old guy, right? Like, that's what's so brilliant about this movie. I think it just taps into everything that you were experiencing as a kid. Everybody's got one creepy house they don't go near, one creepy neighbor who we've all built up, like, this lifelong backstory of secrets and and mystery and... Like the urban legends of kiddom. Yeah, exactly. Like, he killed his wife, she's under the floorboards, and now even the mailman won't go there. Like, something dumb like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, like in real life, he's just a nice old guy who keeps to himself. When they finally go see him because they need him to help translate Van Helsing's diary, Van Helsing's journal, uh, from German into English, he serves them cake. And, uh... Pie. My mistake. You're right. Mm-hmm. That guy fucking loves pie, by the way. <laughs> I love how shit's going down. It's like the end of the world, and he's like, guys, just about to say, last chance, we could just go home and have pie and forget <laughs> all about this. 
But he becomes the most sympathetic character in a moment uh, that in regular movies would show that he's actually evil. And we even have the, this musical cue that would fit if, <clears throat> that would just as easily fit with him maybe looking in the mirror and having like a, a glance at himself like, aha, you've tricked him again, old creepy guy. They're falling right into our trap. But instead, we see the kids are saying to him as they're leaving that, you know, wow, sir, well, golly gee, sir, it looks like you know a lot about monsters. And, uh, you know, he replies like, yeah, I, you know, now that you mention it, I guess I do. And when he closes the door, we see that he's got, um, he's got a tattoo from a concentration camp on his arm. Like, fucking brilliant writing in this movie. That's really dark. And that's something that um, you don't see a lot nowadays where there are these little, like, adult nods in kid movies that would fly right over a kid's head. But yeah. as an adult, you'd see that and be like, whoa. Yeah. Although we were saying, to, we were talking about this moment too, though. We learned a lot about the Holocaust in school. So I don't know if that would have flown over my head had I have seen it. I don't know. Because um, we did do a lot of Anne Frank's journal reading. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think we ever ever did Anne Frank's journal in Oh, school. really? Nope, not at all. Oh, we read the shit out of it. No, for me it was like... We made, like, dioramas. Weird. It was weird. It was a little weird. <laughs> it was really dark. I was like, this thing is really twisted. I mean, like, that—that that is an easy way for kids, like, to get kids to approach the Holocaust. Because, I mean, no matter what you do, there's no, like, oh, yeah, we did, a, we did a program of the Holocaust today. It was actually pretty fun. Like, it's gonna get dark. Like, no matter how you approach it, it's gonna get <laughs> fucked up. Uh, and for whatever reason, I think we just watched Schindler's List a lot. We did do all of Doctor. our Holocaust stuff, though, in the library. Like, we did not do it in the classroom. Okay. So it was just like, associate the horrors with the library, children. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bring them back here. <laughs> those scary images only live in those books, and you associate them with that librarian. <laughs> every librarian gets a bad rap, by the way. Like, basically every librarian you've ever had is the scary German guy in the neighborhood. We thought our librarian was a witch, but we thought she was, like, a cool, good witch. Like, we liked her. Oh. So, like, the scary German guy. But she wasn't... We liked she, her. You thought she was a witch. Like, you thought she was she a sm cool witch. She smelled like patchouli. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think we know exactly what kind of person she is. <laughs> she had, like, long flowy skirts. And her hair was purple, so... Alright. So we know where you got it from. Anne Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we gotta wrap up this movie because we have another movie to talk about. Ah, that's true. I could talk about this movie forever. Um... I can remember seeing Rudy uh, staking the, the vampires, the vampiresses, I guess. That's a great scene. Yeah. He's like, I'm part of the squad, ain't I? Yeah, and he's just like, gotta get to fucking work. And that's great, too, because you see that it's not all fun and games. Like, he's actually gotta murder people. And, you know, we don't maybe sit with them for a really long time in, like, PTSD moments, but you can see that it affects them. Like, they are having a hard time with this. Um, but I can remember exactly where I was when I first saw that. And you know what's really sad about this entire story is that the actor who played Horace, he died in 1997, like years before anybody involved in the movie had a chance to, to figure out that people enjoyed it. Like, that's one of the really interesting things about Wolfman's Got Nards. Like, the, like the heart of that documentary is, uh, is his story. It's so fucking sad. That is really sad. Yeah. He's got a really good scene, though. Um, he's the one that's bullied the most. And he gets that good, like, come up and scene where he he shoots the wolf man? Or no, he shoots the fish man. Um, I can call him what I want to call him. Okay, when you say fish man, <laughs> I just think shape of water. <laughs> it, not wrong. Um, but he shoots him with the shotgun, and then the nerds come out, or not the nerds, and then the, like, the bullies whoa, come like, out. 
So the bully, yeah, the bullies come out. They're like, good shot, fat kid. And he just like pumps the shotgun like right into the camera. He's like, my name's Horace. It's pretty great. Horace is a cool fucking name. Horace is a cool name. Yeah. I wouldn't fuck with a kid named Horace. It's an Egyptian god. <laughs> good point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Monster Squad, it's it's a lot of fun. It's probably my my favorite my favorite Dracula. And just for that moment where he says thank you after being shot, probably also my favorite werewolf. And the werewolf's eyes are a little bulgy for me, but I do appreciate the him falling out of the window and then like putting himself back together again. Oh, it's so great. Yeah, it's pretty good. Because <laughs> there's only one way to kill a werewolf, guys. I thought there were two. <laughs> and I gotta the say... The second one is a broken heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's definitely what killed Frankenstein, let's be real here, oh. right? Like, so sad that Frankenstein couldn't stay. If Guillermo del Toro remade this movie, Frankenstein would be making them breakfast the next day. Yeah, the second one would be like them trying to hook him up with his bride. Oh my god, can you imagine? It'd be like these kids trying to trying to get Frankenstein ready for dating. <laughs> the matchmaker squad. That'd be great. I'd watch that. Just can you imagine seeing Frankenstein go like speed round, speed dating rounds? Like just trying to get hooked up. Yeah. Okay, so um I think it's it's pretty easy. I I uh, We didn't just we course. didn't describe the movie though. Like we didn't end the movie. So oh, okay. or the goal. So they got the diary. Yeah, they got the diary. Uh, Patrick has his sister, who they've put into a weird corner of admitting that she's a virgin. Uh, otherwise, they're going to release naked photos of her to the entire school. Yeah. Yeah, because we need a virgin to say the spell, which is going to open the portal and suck all the monsters back. And so, there's also an amulet that's got like some convenient timing attached to it. We have to be holding the amulet while you say the words. Oh, right. That's the idea. Oh, understood. Yeah, the amulet's what holds the power. The words Wait, just open the portal. Can't the monsters not touch the amulet even though it's, like, in Dracula's house? I should know the answer to that question. Because it's really... She burns them with it? It's really convenient that, like, they go into Dracula's house and then the amulet's just there, like, untouched. And they're like, yoink! And then Dracula's like, no! (laughs) (laughs) Well... He's like, better get more dynamite. (laughs) (laughs) There's only one way to solve this. Oh, man. Okay, so either way, they, <laughs> they try to open the portal. It doesn't work, because guess what? Jenny's not a virgin. I don't remember her name, but Jenny's not a virgin. Um, and then they do a... They, then they slut-shame her a little bit. Right? They, <laughs> and, and then they go ahead and do what they should have always done, and they pick up the six-year-old girl and get her to read it. Um, her reading out the German is so cute. Her and the German guy could have just, like, they could have been the only characters in the second half of the movie, and I would have been fine with it. Like, all the other characters just die by monster, and it's just them reading the German. Especially the fact that she's, like, reading it out, like, to Frankenstein. Like, he's holding her hand because Dracula went and called her a bitch, and that's just fucking bogus. Um... (laughs) And yeah, it's like she's she's reciting these words directly to him, and then the portal opens, and then they all have to disappear. It's really sad, including Frankenstein. But she gives him her bear. It's very cute. So she he should have stayed with them. He I should've. would have preferred the waffle breakfast the next morning with Frankenstein thing, right? Because now that now the parents too know that the monsters exist because they they came knocking on their front door. So like that family afterwards is going to be forever changed. They're always going to believe their kids because. Yeah. 
there were really monsters. Yeah, think about how cool that like group high five would have been if like on top of that wolf that on top of that dog paw, we also got like a Frankenstein <gasps> myth. What a great comeuppance at the end. Comeuppance? Or I don't know. Callback? Imagery. I don't know. I dig it. Uh Sweet also poster. should also be worth noting that all of the police are dead except for Dad. <laughs> yeah. Like those monsters did kill a lot of people. <laughs> well, especially Dracula. He kills like a dozen cops right at the end. I love that scene. When he's just walking and just Just like smush, snapping necks, smush. breaking faces, <laughs> tearing hearts out. Yeah, and I do love the lighting on him at the end. Oh, it's It's great. really good. Man, it's a good movie. So, okay. obviously, for me, a four out of four. Like, I would give this a solid four Eberts. I'm going to give this a... Three out of four. Understood. Only because I don't have any nostalgia attached to it, and this is the first time I have seen it. I wish I had have seen this when I was eight, nine years old. You would have loved it. Because, yes. And uh, I'm going to keep watching it and keep enjoying it. I loved it. It was really fun. But the thing is, is I've grown up with so many other movies that are so similar, and we're in such a resurgence of, like, the 80s kids versus everything stuff, that it's yeah. it's hard to uh, adopt a new one now, even though it's a classic. Yeah, no, you're right. It's a hard time to get that movie going like it's the best thing you've ever seen. Because everything is that right now. Agreed. Every, every, everything is that. I didn't that. even think about that. I should have just fought harder. You know the crazy thing, and this is a common... Uh, with you and me, is that I swear to God, I've shown you this movie ten years ago, five years ago, whenever. But the, the entire time when you were saying that we had to do Monster Squad, I thought you were talking about that movie that's got Howie Mandel as the blue thing. Oh, and no wonder like, you were putting your back up against this. Why do we have to watch oh, this movie? I wouldn't make you do that. I mean, like, I, I know a lot of people like that movie. Um... But it's not my favorite movie. Um, my favorite monster is that what it's called? I don't. I don't know. Monster under my bed. But that's what I thought it was. Yeah, that's that's the movie's all right. And you're like, no, it's all the Universal monsters. And I was like, what Universal monster is blue? <laughs> <laughs> it's the Universal color. <laughs> He's the Universal monster. <laughs> when you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. All right, moving on. We are going to talk about Hocus Pocus from 1993. <laughs> Jump back. Twist the bones and bend the back. Back in 1693, the people of Salem, Massachusetts... Witches! Yes? ...thought they got rid of the Sanderson sisters for good. years later it's halloween eve and they're back uh -oh. Uh -oh. Home. are you boys a little old to be trick-or-treating we're talking about three ancient hags versus the 20th century how bad can it be now they're digging up old friends <laughs> and running amok Looking for the one thing they miss most. Ooh, stay for supper. I'm not hungry. Ooh, but we are. <laughs> Only one boy has the power to stop them. Prepare to die again. You have no powers here, you fool. Before all Salem falls under their spell. Hell, you.
currently sitting at a 6.8 out of 10, a 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. Whoa. And a 3.3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. I don't know which of you hate Halloween. Interesting. (laughs) What is going on? Some people just hate kids' movies. I disagree. No, I mean, I agree with that statement, but I disagree (laughs) with their opinion. Now, I would assume Bette Midler fans would give a five-star rating to anything uh, that Bette Midler is starring in. Do you think this is a movie that Bette Midler fans don't enjoy? I think so. I read a review, just like a clipping of a review in the Wikipedia entry or something, about how, like, low she had sunk to be singing, like, kid movie fodder. And I was like... This is a family classic. Families can watch this with their children and their children's children and their teenager children who don't watch anything. <laughs> it's also her favorite movie, guys. That she's done, yeah. Yeah, her favorite role. She didn't, like... Hocus Pocus beat out Beaches. It beat out other movies she's in. First Wives Club, obviously. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Nothing else is coming to mind right now because I was going to say Hocus Pocus. <laughs> Um, yeah, why can't I think of more Bette Midler movies? My mom loves Bette Midler. I grew up watching everything. She did a lot of theater. Okay. I'm going to start listening to Bette Midler's albums. That's a, that's a thing I'm going to do this year. One... Oh, you're going to do it alone. <laughs> well, I think, I think she's great. Uh, I love that she gave Lady Gaga shit for stealing some of her stage performance. And, and thirdly, this is more important... Tom Waits completely changed his fucking sound when he watched Bette Midler perform and he said, I'm doing it wrong. And he went from doing like slow piano ballads in a smoky room to like what you Even know. Even slower. Oh, yeah. With a grungier tone. I'm going to add guitars to the. I don't know why I became Sam Elliott, but <laughs> that's apparently what's Silverado. Yeah. Oh, boy. Are you done talking about Bette Midler? Can we talk about The Witches now? <laughs> Sometimes when you talk about witches, you gotta go straight to the source. I don't know where... Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I could keep going. Like, basically, you just... You do a beer commercial and sub out the words like Coors with Midler. (laughs) (laughs) It's Midler time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so... In... In, um... Filtered from the waters of the Rocky Mountains... Bet Midler came to a muck. <laughs> oh, it's been three hundred years, right, right now to the day. day. And you know this this witch is back. She's gonna save the day. Oh man! Um, so in Monster Squad fashion, we need a virgin to light the black flame black black flame candle, which. Which will oh enjoy bring that about this episode <laughs> bring about the three Sanderson witches who were hung in Salem for uh, sucking out, witchcraft sucking out the lives of little children yes, and uh, turning Jonathan Taylor Thomas into a black cat yeah it's not actually Jonathan Taylor Thomas but the Jonathan Taylor Thomas of 1693 <laughs> <laughs> could I ask one question mm-hmm. right up top beginning of this ep- this movie. They suck the soul out of that little girl. Mm-hmm. But. But. Jonathan Taylor Thomas of 1693. Zachary Binks. Ye old Taylor <laughs> Binks. <laughs> he breaks into their little witch hut mm-hmm. and 
dumps over the cauldron. That well, that was for the rest of the kids in town. Got it. He did not save his sister. But so th- that's what I don't understand. Is like I swear he broke in before she had a chance to drink the potion. He knocks him around, and when they look back, oh my god, it's like this little girl's like, hey, you know what? During all this commotion, why don't I just take a sip? It smelled so good. Did they give some to her before he attacked him? They definitely killed the girl. I can can I just say right up top, uh, these witches way too calm about being hung. Way too calm about being hung. Like cracking jokes the whole time. Well, it is Disney, but also Good point. Uh, they got that magical spell book that's like got their back, and he's like, "Don't worry, girls. Three hundred years, it'll be a wink of an eye." Yeah, but it was like at the at like the eleventh hour that book came in, and she seemed surprised. Yeah, but I'm sure that they, like they've gotten out of things probably their entire lives. So why not? Why not now? Maybe they thought, like, one of their brooms was going to come riding up and... I don't know. That would have been kind of cool. It is Disney. Good point. I was going <laughs> to say, this is really dark for a Disney movie. How often do characters, specifically female characters, die in a Disney movie? Oh, I think all of them. Yeah, and then, yeah it occurred to me that that's their, just, that's their M.O. <laughs> like, we Mom, need pain. Dad. We need sorrow. Yeah. You're going to be the king of the jungle one day. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is essentially the bread and butter of Walt Disney, right? Bittersweet. Like, that's everything that they have. It's like, I finally achieved my life's goals, but everyone I love isn't around to pat me on the back. That's a very selfish final moment. To pat me on the back or, like, to celebrate in my riches. <laughs> or just love me, I guess, in general. <laughs> like, there's no one here to love me. It's lonely at the top. Well, they always find love along the way. I suppose that's true. Like, what's his name? The Lion King's got Nala, and he's got Timon and Pumbaa. And he doesn't have Mufasa, and Scar's a douche, but, like... Yeah, he doesn't have Mufasa, but Mufasa's Mufasa's around all the goddamn time. Yeah, he's just got to talk to the clouds. Right? He's like, don't worry, son. I'll be around next time it rains. I'm also going to be in the remake for some reason. Like, authentically. (laughs) That was my James Earl Jones. He went British. (laughs) That was your James Earl Jones? Yeah. It's like, don't worry, Mufasa, I will be back. That's my James Earl Jones. I thought it was spot on. Have you guys ever seen that video of James Earl Jones' uh, outtakes on The Lion King? It is well worth the watch. He's he's trying to get this rumble. Do you remember this? Mm-mm. Oh, God. It's like 18 minutes of him going, no, no, keep rolling, keep rolling. And eventually he's like, nah, I'm not going to get it today. And then leaves! <laughs> oh, man. It's good. Good. I wonder if he did that for um, Star Wars. Can you imagine? <laughs> Luke, right? No, not today. Yeah, no, can't do it. <laughs> I saved everybody from spoilers on that last one. I don't know if you heard. <laughs> so, Hocus Pocus, flash forward 300 years. We got Max Dennison, the too cool new kid in school from California. I mean, can I just say the kid moved here from L.A. during high school to Salem, Massachusetts? Yeah, he's too cool for school. But not too cool to get bullied and his sneakers stolen. Okay, well, I didn't say that he had a backbone. I'm just (laughs) He's just from a specific location. And his first day of school is Halloween, which is interesting. Um... Why move in October? Why not move in September, you know, before the school year starts? I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and say, though, if we were those kids' parents, we'd be like, guys, we have to move or we're going to miss Halloween (laughs) in Salem. I don't care if you haven't said goodbye to your friends. The moving truck's going, and I need you on it. And Max has to take out his younger sister, Danny, 
trick-or-treating, mm-hmm. who's dressed as a witch. He's dressed as nothing because he's a poor sport. Excuse me? He's dressed as a rapper? A little leaguer. Oh, <laughs> really? My mistake. I thought he said he was... No, he said he was a rapper, and that's why Dad would put his hat on sideways. I'm not wrong here. I got it. Yeah, but Danny also says he's a little leaguer, and then he gets... Then, like, the bullies show up again, and they have to get their candy. But they show up at the cool girl's house, and she's, like, a bazillionaire. Her parents are having, like, a Marie Antoinette party. Right. And she ducks out because they are going to the old Sanderson house, which has since converted to a museum. which has parents own. Yes, which has since closed, and they go and light the black flame candle. I was going to say, weird that this gift shop sells Zippos, but I don't think I've ever been to a gift shop that doesn't sell Zippos. Isn't that his Zippo? No, he pulls it out of like a like a he's first he steals that zippo. Let's oh. just go over there. What a fart. That's his <laughs> that's his transgression that really got us somewhere. Like <laughs> sure, he lit the candle, but only because he's a dick. Um Well the cool thing about that entire um Sanderson in the nineties thing is that all of the like the house is really authentic, like they tried to keep it looking like it was in the sixteen hundreds, but all of the candles have been replaced with light bulbs. And when the witches are coming back, all the light bulbs pop out and then flames come up where they were, which is like none of these are candles. These are all fake ass candles. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, except for the black flame candle because El Traditional. Well they they also kept the original electrical lines from sixteen ninety three, <laughs> which are not up to code these days, and it's just electrical fires nonstop everywhere. They had to close the museum down because of asbestos. <laughs> they probably did. Can you imagine? Oh, that post and beam asbestos? Post and beam asbestos. <laughs> you know, I don't think anybody our age is ever going to know what asbestos is. We I just, didn't know what asbestos we was. We just know it's dangerous. Yeah, I used to think it was like that shit that um, you put like in between walls, like that pink fluffy shit. I think asbestos was used as insulation. I, and then somebody told that. me it was fucking tiles. And I'm like, how does tiles get in the air? Well, Guys, this doesn't make any sense. You, you can't it's use... a great deal for a house. Okay, so asbestos <laughs> was used to make tiles. And I mean, if you're taking up your old house and you're cutting through any of those old Which? tiles... You... <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny that we have like a modern day thing that's like... Back when they used to use like mercury, we're like, um, you have a bad knee, have some mercury. Yeah, or like, yeah. uh, you need more arsenic in your tea. Like, it's just fucking like shenanigans. Your hat needs to be polished. A little mercury on that. Yeah, like, what's gonna be the mercury of today? It's probably McDonald's french fries, to be honest. It's probably like vitamins. Yeah. <laughs> like multivitamins. I recently read an article that they don't do shit, and then I was like, well, that makes sense. <laughs> There's uh, There are a group of people that are a group of people. There There is some movement right now to try and get people to vape vitamins, which apparently is very strange if you're looking for B12, which is a common vitamin that we take also, um, because it is, by nature, pink. So when you vape it and exhale, it's just like a cloud of pink. Just Fun! Kinda, right? You're just like, I'm in Alice in Wonderland right now, but I'm also giving myself vitamins. I don't know. You should probably just eat your vitamins, right? Like, just eat green things and orange things, and you've got them all. Yeah, that's all you need. That's basically the rule. (laughs) Yep. If it's green or orange, you're good to go. It's got them all. (laughs) This is the Kim's hair color diet. (laughs) The darker the green, the fruitier the veg. We're working on that tagline. (laughs) We're still in R&D right now. I am getting the sense... You are very nervous to talk about Hocus Pocus. I see the problem is, is with movies that you watch so many times, you just assume everybody else knows everything. Yeah. And you're just like, yeah, so we like it and it's good. And there's also nothing about this movie that I don't like. Yeah. So I can be like, this is good. And, and this, then this is, is good. good. And you know what else is good? When Kathy Najimi's character flies out on the vacuum cleaner yeah. because there's no brooms left. It's 
pretty great that you know her name. I appreciate that. That's the actress. She that plays, is the actress. She plays Mary, the third kookiest Sanderson. Do you think that she is the kookiest Sanderson because we still need a Sanderson to explain things to? Like, oh, Winnie, remind me again why we need to get the kids? Like, I've told you before. If we want to live beyond tonight, we have to get a child and eat their souls so we can live forever. Oh, jeez. Well, I think... The whole point is that Winnie's got to pull this, like, dead weight. Like, her, both of her, sis- her, sis- her other sisters are nincompoops. Kathy's just, like, really dim-witted, and Sarah's just, like, super dim-witted and, like, Boy lust. Crazy. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, lust-ridden. Yeah, so the witches are awoken, and they need to, one, thwart Max and his gang, as well as uh, drink all the children of Salem. So they need to make their potion, and they also need to get the book back, which Max and crew have stolen. You'd think that's a potion that they would just remember. You'd think so. It is the potion that keeps them alive. Yeah, I am saying that, but this book of spells, and I've said this about multiple witch stories, is basically the cell phone of the 1600s. I don't need to remember how to spell disappeared because I will just type it in my phone and it'll be like, nay, nay, this is Yeah, exactly. I copy and paste, you son of a bitch, and then go on with the rest of your day. Yeah, you wouldn't remember the spells. You'd need the book. Also, Um, they have been dead for 300 years, so like, rusty, I get it. Yeah, and that book is like a family member to them. It's a living thing. Whose face is that, by the way? I don't know, but it is a face. And it definitely doesn't hate them. (laughs) You know, well, I mean, yeah. think of it this way, like, Billy, uh, not not necessarily on their side, but kind of under their spell. Yeah, that's what I kind of love about him, is he's got, like, such disdain for Winifred, but, like, he follows her instructions, like, he's completely <sighs> compelled to. Like, he's a zombie under her bidding, but, like, he's just like, fuck, I hate this. Yeah, this, I love that he doesn't even know that he's dead. He wakes up like he's had a long nap, looks at his tombstone, oh. <laughs> <laughs> And then when um, when Sarah's like, hi, Billy, he's like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and he's played by Doug Jones, who you know as the fish man oh, in yeah. uh, Guillermo del Toro's Shape of Water. And also, and also everything else Guillermo del Toro has done. I was going to say, and also the fish man in <laughs> Hellboy. Oh, does he play that fish man too? <laughs> he does play that fish man. Hmm. And he's the, uh, I never know what to call him. I always call him the creepy thin man in uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Let's but... call him the Pale King. Is that what his name is? No, that's a that's a Marilyn Manson album. <laughs> or maybe it's the Pale Emperor. I don't really know. Uh, I I also try to avoid calling him the Creepy Thin Man because it reminds me of the Pale Thin Man, which was a David Bowie character, and also the Creepy Thin Man in Charlie's Angels, played by Crispin Glover, Very which true. I haven't brought up yet this episode, and I do oh. need to bring up every episode. Of course, yes. So the drinking game is complete. <laughs> Congratulations, everybody! You may tuck yourselves into bed. But yeah, Doug Jones from Every Great Thing Ever. Um, whenever it's not Javier Botet, it's Doug Jones. <laughs> Guaranteed. So with Billy on the case and the witches out trying to gather up the kids, they're running around town sort of discovering what Halloween is, which is always awesome because back when they were killed, Halloween was not a thing. They were just witches and everybody avoided all witchcraft and dark sorcery altogether. But now, 300 years later, it's something that we celebrate and appreciate and relish in one day a year. I love when they meet up with Gary Marshall and... Oh, it doesn't make any sense, (laughs) but it's like the greatest scene ever. Because they think he is the real devil. Yeah. And he's living with his wife, who's um, just 
fucking great. That's actually Penny Marshall. That's Gary Marshall's sister. She also does the voice of the Babysitter Bandit. Oh shit! Early Simpsons episode. I have a feeling that we've said this before. <laughs> I don't care. I'm gonna say it again. That's okay. It's just such a weird scene, though, in the middle of the the film. It like it doesn't advance the story at all. Nope. It's just this little. It's almost like a Saturday Night Live sketch. It's like, what if you had real witches think they were in the devil's house, but it's really just some middle aged couple? Yeah. It's and almost... you're like, and go. And go. <laughs> it's almost an excuse to just get them to watch TV, I guess. Which is Or look at kitchens because they think it's a torture chamber. Yeah, and it's great too because when they're walking around town and all these, they're surrounded by children but they don't know because all of the kids are in costume and um, Kathy Najimi's character, Mary, has the ability to smell children. She can (laughs) smell them out like a dog could and she smells children everywhere but they don't, all they see are ghouls and goblins. Yeah, so she thinks she's broken basically. These witches are pretty fucking resilient, by the way. Because they totally get killed? Is that, is that the term? Killed? Yeah. <laughs> like N-E-D? Let's go kill some witches. <laughs> yeah, so they lure the witches to the high school and they put a, um, like a boombox in the... Sure. In the kiln. And they burn the, the witches alive. Actually, that's also kind of interesting. They were hung as witches, despite the fact that we usually know that I mean, quote-unquote, kind of real, also over-exaggerated, were burned at the stake. And then 300 years later, also received that fate. It sucks that they had to come back, because, I mean, that doesn't seem like it'd be slow. How hot does a kiln get? Really hot. Really hot? Yeah. Okay. It's, like, really, really hot. I don't know why a high school has a kiln. It sounds like a bad, it sounds like a really bad idea. Our grade school had a kiln. You had a kiln! Yeah, and our high school had a kiln. Our high school had a kiln. Yeah, it wasn't like a room kiln. It was like a kiln, like a... Like the size of a microwave. Like a 60s fireplace. Okay, I mean, I can handle that. It's the walk-in part that gets me. Yeah, it wasn't walk-in. First of all, I did not know about our high school kiln. Because I was kiln. probably outside kilning brain cells every <laughs> lunch break. But, um... I was kilning A's and A pluses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And somehow I'm the one with the better memory. Um, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I have the better emotional IQ. <laughs> oh, it hurts. Um, <laughs> Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> yeah, the walk-in part is is really what terrifies me about it. Because uh, it's, it's it seems like that scene in The Watchmen where the guy's like, oh, I forgot my watch over here. And he goes in and the door shuts behind him and there's nothing they can do and now he's dead. Or, you know, like that scene in Hocus Pocus where, where three witches go into the kiln and then they're dead. Movies um, have made me afraid of walk-in anything. Like, walk-in freezers, walk-in oh, yeah. fridges, walk-in fire rooms. Like, yeah, you're I, not getting me to walk in any of those. No, not at all. If it's got a door on it, fuck it. I'm going somewhere else. It's not gonna happen. And you can't tell me that if there was a walk-in kiln at a high school, one bully wouldn't go too far and throw We're really dwelling the on the kiln, John. We need to move on. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on. They come back no problem. They now know how to speak Spanish. Um... <laughs> French. Right? Is it French? I think it's French. Okay. And they're back for the book. They've had, they've abducted Thora Birch, and they're gonna make her drink the potion to basically eat her repeat soul. everything that happened in the opening scene. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, they're pretty good at it too because Sarah Jessica Parker is flying around town singing her song. All the kids are coming toward their house because their parents are too preoccupied dancing their calories off over at the Halloween party. Because the witches sang a song and put a spell on them. Yeah. Uh, I had a really hard time not singing that. <laughs> um, and they are going to dance until they die, so none of the kids have chaperones. 
Yeah. They are. They all tucked themselves in I was going to say I that. Said. They're all in their pajamas. Like, they all politely went to bed, single file, as they should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, every single one of those kids should have chocolate faces. Like, just dirty chocolate hands. <laughs> just like, just... I'm sleeping as a butterfly. <laughs> you mean, like, rolled up in a blanket? <laughs> no, it's just meant in the costume still. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Did you not do that as a kid? Like, you just cocoon yourself up in a blanket? Yeah, but I didn't call like, I'm the butterfly. <laughs> that would have been better. Like, you would have had, like, a ton of kids dressed as, like, Terminator and, and, and witches and stuff just, like, flocking to the house. With chocolate fingers. <laughs> With chocolate fingers, of course. <laughs> I gotta say, the, the witches could have succeeded in their plan. No problem. But they let anger get in the way. Oh, definitely. Yeah, Max and his uh, girlfriend, Rachel. Not yet. Let's not get ahead okay, of ourselves. My, my, my mistake. They're, they're more, Allison. They're not an item. They're just friends. You they're know, let's friends. not make this interesting. Next week. Next week. <laughs> uh, so Max and Allison have broken Thora Birch out um, because they, they get the witches to think that the sun is coming up with headlights because, you know, it's, it's been like eight hours and they still don't understand lights. It's a great gag. Yeah, the things that they understand and the things that they don't understand are pretty great. Like, they no understand talk- vacuums. Yeah, like, they no know that a vacuum it. is a modern broom. It's like an alternate broom, but like not what pavement is. Like, we don't understand tar. <laughs> nope, not at all. We we can understand um, cars and how they function like wagons, maybe, but not buses. <laughs> <laughs> Because they could have just as easily just grabbed one of the neighbor kids and, like, gotten to eat their soul, had all the power in the world, I guess, uh, and then gone off for Max and Alice. And, like, why did they have to make sure that that was the first one they had? Because they wanted her. They hated her the most. Because she was a weenie. Yeah, revenge makes it taste better. Mm Mm-hmm. It's true. How did they defeat them? Oh, the sun comes up. (laughs) Well, like, they they spilled a potion. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, and Max drinks it. And then they have to use Max. Yeah. And then and they have the bullies also. And then they're drinking them. The bullies stay chained up the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> he takes good. his shoes back and he leaves. <laughs> but yeah, then the, the sun comes up and turns him to stone. Yes. It's great. She dies calling out for her book. But because the witches have been thwarted, we also lose... Binks. The cat. Oh, so true. Not Jonathan Taylor Thomas Binks, but Cat <laughs> Binks. Yep. Jonathan Taylor Thomas is not in this movie, by the way. We keep calling him that, and it's not, it's not Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Did you know that um, they wanted Leonardo DiCaprio to... I'm not sure if they wanted him to play Max or if they wanted him to play Zachary Binks, but he huh. was going to, and then he went on to play Gilbert Grape instead. Oh, that was a good move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely the better choice. I don't know. This movie might be a lot bigger now if... Yeah, it was it was only an Academy Award-nominated movie that really catapulted his career. I don't know if it was a great move. Name... The other actor in that movie, the Leonardo Johnny Depp. <laughs> no, I was just say name the Leonardo DiCaprio action figures you can. Oh, there's easily there's the there's the the stoner gamer from the beach. Everybody has that. <laughs> yep. yep, with opposable elbows. Yep, there's the. <laughs> um, there is of course the uh, the wiener kid from Critters Four, and my personal favorite. There's the holds onto the door, Jack. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh... <laughs> That was good. I was, <laughs> I was going to say just the, the slumming at Leo in, in Basketball Diaries, but yours is a lot better. I'm just saying, he could have had residuals. I, I mean, I'm sure Leonardo DiCaprio is not starving. <laughs> but... No, I really don't think so, yeah. I'm just saying. He, here's the thing. Leonardo DiCaprio won an Oscar and then did nothing for three years. 
That's how much money. Okay, that's not true. Was it last year he won an Oscar? Was it last year? Either way, The Revenant. 2016? I don't, I'm not sure. It is 2018 now. Yeah, but the last Oscars were the 2017 Oscars, and they were like a month ago. So the, it's the been previous a- ones, and then the previous ones before that. I don't really know. Point is, guy's got money. Uh, he's taking a break. Definitely did a documentary and trying to save the planet currently. That's, so, like, yeah. that's great. It's not like he's doing nothing, but uh, he'll be back. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. To do a witch movie. I don't know if it's a witch movie. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like it's more of a Manson movie than everything else. Oh, yeah, he is going to be in that. Yeah. The Tarantino one, right? Yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Did you know that there are like 13 Manson movies coming out? That's no surprise. We're going to have a Manson fest. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, to be fair, Quentin Tarantino's movie isn't a Manson movie, but it is set within, like, the late 60s paranoia of that Manson era. But you're right. We're going to get a shit ton of Helter Skelter knockoffs and Sharon Tate biographics. and eh. I'm excited for the first three, and then anything that subsequently comes out after that, I'm going to be like, ugh. Yeah. So you better be the first three, or unfortunately I'm going to be not into it. Yeah, like, the only thing that's, that really sucks is that We've avoided a lot of it so far. I, I, I gotta give us all credit for it, because there's been a lot of great Beatles albums that we've had 50th anniversaries for that hasn't really been mentioned, but, like, we're coming up on, like, the 50th anniversary of the Summer of Love and the 50th anniversary of Woodstock and, the, like, all of it, and it's just too much. Can't constantly keep living in the past, guys. See, I'm really excited for that we're coming up to 2020, and I'm secretly hoping that the whole the whole world is just going to universally re-adopt 20s style and fashion. That'd be cool. And we're all going to have, like, curly bobs and, like, fringy dresses. And nobody's going to talk about it. We're just going to all just silently adopt it. Like, men are going to get suspenders and bowler caps and, like, twiddly mustaches. We're all going to start talking in a little pinch and talk. Yeah, we're going to be drinking out of bowling balls, even though alcohol is legal. (laughs) Calling everybody Jack, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) We'll read the newspaper again, even though it's out of date. I'll see you down at the box social then. All right, Gene? Okay, bye now. Like, what if we all started talking We live like in this? New York, but not really. What if <laughs> we all get, like, adapters onto our phones so it sounds like we're talking in an old crackly device? <laughs> Did you get my telegraph, Jim? <laughs> I texted it to you. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. If there was a little device I could buy that would turn all of my text messages into little telegraph messages. <laughs> oh, fuck. I would get that in a heartbeat. Sup. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Uber Eats delivery order. <laughs> oh my, the whole thing. The whole oh. thing. So, um, guys, get ready for that. Two years. Uh, let's never speak of it again. Uh, I'm expecting you all to have the appropriate attire. <laughs> yeah, of course. Zoot suits, high-waisted pants, and a belt to go with it. Better learn your swing dance. <laughs> the swing dance craze came and went already. Like, we already had our zoot suit riot. It's not happening again. It's I mean, as much as I would love to just, like step out of my house and walk into, like, a deleted scene from Dick Tracy. It's not happening. I could do with more speakeasies in my life. You know, actually, now that you mention it... Twelve more speakeasies. Per least, day. At least <laughs> per day. Goddamn. Uh, I mean, we are at a point where the, the iWatch was that Dick Tracy watch. I think you're onto something. I think we're slowly crawling toward that 20s resurgence. And then the subsequent crash of the... Uh, stock market. <laughs> That'd be great, yeah. And then into the dirty 30s. <laughs> the futuristic dirty 30s where the dirt's been shipped in from the past. <laughs> the time Kids are sh- selling their hoverboards for junk. <laughs> By junk, I mean smack. <laughs> oh, we're getting too far. Uh, so, 
<laughs> what is your rating on Hocus Pocus? Uh, my rating on Hocus Pocus. Uh, it's hard to find anything bad to say about Hocus Pocus. And I've watched it a thousand times and I'll watch it a thousand more. I guess I got to give it a four out of four. I don't know why I seem surprised by that. I also have to give it a four out of four. How come Hocus Pocus beat Monster Squad? I'm taking it down. I'm giving it a three out of four. You can't do a vindictive So we can throw it to you guys out on Twitter. (laughs) No, Hocus Pocus would still win. No. Yeah. No, because... Do your maths. My maths. Four plus three is seven. Yeah. And and four plus three point five is seven I said lower it to three. You said three point (laughs) five. Either way, I'm going to stay with my four. I am also going to be a four. Uh, Halloween movie, witches, singing, great, wonderful stuff. Uh, yeah. Doug Jones. I'm really sad I didn't wear my Hocus Pocus shirt for this episode. You're looking at it right now. That's another Hocus Pocus shirt. That's I a meant different the, one. I meant the t-shirt. Not the okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm glad we talked about it, even though we were really off topic this episode. It's been oh, a while since very. we recorded. You guys have seen these movies. You don't need us to recap them for you. I mean, if you haven't seen Monster Squad, congrats! We were very vague and did not say a goddamn word about it. Yeah. And I'm excited to hear what you think of it, if you hadn't. Yeah, let us know which movie you loved most, and let us know like how you discovered both these films, mm. when you discovered them, if you're new to Monster Squad, which you probably aren't, I'm probably the only person on the planet. No, 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 no. Like, I, hey, I just finished watching that documentary, and every single kid, like 20s, 30s, said that this is my first time seeing Monster Squad. Like, there is no shortage of people that have not heard of this movie, so don't feel bad. But you can tweet at us at NOFS Podcast. You can find us in our Facebook group with all of our other fiends. That is facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of NOFS. We are controlling transmission. Have a trouble with a little. This week's episode of Nightmare on Film Street is brought to you by Deadly Grounds, Coffee to Die For. Made from 100% Arabica beans, Deadly Grounds is horror-themed gourmet coffee. This week's blend is Griselda's Cauldron. Brewed in partnership with the hilarious House of Frightenstein, Griselda's Cauldron is a ghastly creme brulee concoction. Use the promo code NIGHTMARE at checkout and get 15% off your entire purchase at getdeadly.ca. And this month, Nightmare on Film Street has conjured up the Wake the Dead giveaway. Enter now at nofspodcast.com slash contest to win huge prize packs, including Deadly Grounds Coffee, Nightmare on Film Street t-shirts, swag, and more. Enter now at nofspodcast.com slash contest. We're going to stick around a little while longer to play a game that Kim put together. I have no idea what it's about. Uh, apparently it's very good. She it's seems... called Squad Gold. Okay, yep, this is why she's proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to hear that game, head over to patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street to check out the companion episode to this week's episode and every other game that we've put together. We've got tons of bonus content over there for you uh, as a monthly supporter of the show. But that's it from us this week. I'm Kim. I'm John. Stay, Stay creepy. creepy. It appears you made it out alive just long enough to tell the tale of the nightmare on Film Street. Ow! Help us grow the horde. Leave a review on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. Continue this week's conversation.
on Twitter by following at N-O-F-S Podcast. And as always, more terror can be found lurking on our website, www.nightmareonfilmstreetpodcast.com. Until next week, stay creepy, fiends. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.